Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. Find us on social media and wherever you get your podcasts. Look for us at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And as I told you, we'd be right back. And here we are. And we are uh, so happy to have joining us on the line award-winning writer, author, uh, founding and managing editor of editor of NBA Muslims and Radio Islam Culture contributor Layla Abdullah Pulos. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Can you hear me? I can. Am I coming through clear? Oh, good. Yes, you're coming loud and clear. Alhamdulillah. Yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, you have brought us another awesome read, uh, "The yes. Heart of Aleppo," a story yes. of the Syrian civil war uh, by Amar Habib, and. Uh, I've got to tell you, this is a really engaging, mm-hmm. uh, really engaging um, book. Um, so first off, this is a work of fiction. Um, but because we know this is something that we can point to, we can see uh, the, 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 uh, the violence, we can see the displacement. These are things that actually have happened to people that are contained in this particular book. So it has a different resonance. Mm-hmm. So what, what drew you to this? Okay. Well, the, I have the uh, when I was working. Am I like feeding back? You no. can hear me, right? No, no, you coming through loud and clear. Okay, so I'm just keep talking because I sound funny on my end. Yeah. I actually came across uh, this when I was working at Jarabi Kitab Publishing, mm-hmm. and Amar sent his manuscript in, and um, I was just floored by it. First of all, he's very young. Mm-hmm. And he writes in the first person very well, and you know how picky I am about yeah. that. <laughs> so, yeah. All the other part, like the, uh, I gushed over um, Naima Roberts and her ability. He's really amazing, and he really draws you in with this story. And I was actually emailing this author back and forth, which was something I rarely did. Mm-hmm. And I just, because I was so gripped and engaged by the way that he wrote it, and he actually is, he used the stories of Syrian refugees in his area that he listened to and he talked to and everything to tell the story. Right. So the main character, Zaid, and his, his brother and his friend and his, and his friend's little sister, and the, the young men uh, that they went into, all of these are part of an uh, amalgamation of stories that he was told from Syrian refugees when they came to the state. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's why you're kind of like seeing that. Mm-hmm. And I just think he really did a really wonderful job. And what I liked the most about it was that, like you said, it did seem very real. And also there was He didn't shy away from some of the hard-hitting issues that come with being a child in a war-torn area, or and so he just like really grappled it, and and it's gripping and it's heartbreaking and everything. I just think, you know, they they on the Amazon page they compare it to the Kite Runner. I actually think it's better than the Kite Runner. Hmm. Honestly, now, now I have so, not read the Kite Runner, but I know uh, I know of it. Yeah, no, this one, this, 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 I found mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. for myself, I found this work a lot more engaging. And I really did feel for the young characters as they were going through everything and the decisions that they had to make. You know what? And he really kind of like sunk in with... Uh, mm-hmm. One of the reasons why I usually don't like first person is that you're trapped in that point of view, okay? And very few writers can write in first person without sticking readers either to one, maybe two Mm -hmm. different characters like that. But he did not do that. You were able to really not only feel the internal dialogue that the main characters I was going through, but the other characters as well. You know what? Very, there, was very point, about that. There, there was a point. There was a point, and this is early on. Um, the 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 uh, older gentleman that comes to their rescue when mm-hmm. the the fighting uh, initially when the attack takes place. Um, Jari or Jerry, and uh, as he's talking about him, he's describing. He says scar. He used, he the phrase is he says they were scars behind his eyes. You know mm-hmm. this this. Uh, veneer of uh, of surety, um, but behind it, you can tell there's experience that has, you know, that that has damaged him in a way. Um, but there was something else that I really appreciated uh, in this, and that is kind of like these cutaways. You know, these, uh, you know, if you're watching a movie, it would be, you know, somebody's remembering. You know, there. I mean, he he's in the the heart of a, uh, you know, just a tremendously terrible situation. And he cuts back to happier times, thinking of skipping rocks, you know, mm-hmm. him and uh, Salman and um, uh, uh, Fatima. Um, this was something that I, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't set it up. He just just writes it and then goes right back into the whatever the, the present scene is, whatever the, the action uh, actually is. And I just I thought from a from a movie watching kind of standpoint that's that's what i felt like i was i felt like i was watching a movie um Mm -hmm. and well that's that's a very hard thing to do i'm not a fan of dream sequences or flashbacks and i remember uh the author um Mm -hmm. when she was giving me advice one time she said use dream sequences and flashbacks like salt yeah okay if you use too much you're gonna ruin your dish I I, thought, I think that they were appropriate in this book because it conveyed the natural escapism. Yeah, yeah. That the character the character goes through, because at the end of the day, this is a thirteen year old kid, and so he kept like when he kept saying he wants his mom, he wants his dad. Yeah. You know all these horrible things are happening. You know when Jared gets taken, like all this stuff happens to him every time. Things seem like they're kind of going to like even out a little bit so that he can breathe. Then another thing happens to him. So I think that all of those those flashbacks and those memories are really just this natural escapism that they goes through yeah. as a young person. Well, I think he situated him as you know from the very beginning situated him as a a young person, uh, a young man who was certainly. Uh, still, find, he, you know, he was still pro, he was prone to daydream. Anyway, mm-hmm. that was that was who he was. So to go from being the guy who is being uh, singled out by the uh, teacher because he's not paying attention to all of a sudden having to be on point is like, uh, and, and of course yeah. they made that point. You know, yesterday, you know, we were in class, and now 
now we are traveling, we are, we're fighting for our lives. Uh, and it's just this, this jump in maturity, this jump in awareness. Uh, mm-hmm. and, then, and then even what was demanded of him physically, you know, I think making the point um, that, you know, in comparison to his classmates, in comparison to others his age and even uh, Selman, um, his, his, his neighbor and his friend, who kind of like his stand-in big brother, um, who was so much more developed, you know, but now yeah. here he is and he's in a position where he's, the situation puts demands on his body that, you know, that he wasn't, he wasn't ready for. Yeah. I think that one of the things that Habib did was he even the playing field for all the characters using the backdrop of the war. Mm-hmm. So it's like whatever your 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 uh, drawbacks or your positive characteristics, everything's going to get tested. Right. And what may be helpful for you in one context, in this context, might not necessarily be. And what is seen as a deficit for you might actually be helpful. Right. You know, because Solomon, he went through some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. His... His emo- he was very emotional in ways that Zaid wasn't. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was because Zaid was a little bit of a daydreamer and he was able to detach a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And so, and maybe he did, at first, he did not feel the same responsibility. But as they became more and more, he had, he, he got more and more responsibilities. He was there, he was mostly there in ways that I think Salman was at. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think it's because he even Habib evened it out. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a situation that will eat away at everyone, even someone that you thought was the strongest, right. even as someone that you thought was the smartest. And it'd be the person that you wouldn't think which doesn't survive that actually does survive because it's about what's happening then and there. Yeah. I think another thing that I liked when I said he didn't he didn't step back, he didn't step away was the viciousness. Mm-hmm. Of some of these kids, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm glad he did that. I mean, it's really in the tradition of, of like Lord of the Flies, yeah, where it's that children. You know, they've done studies, and children can be very, very vicious yeah. when they're in survival mode. I mean, you have like the African child soldiers. And I mean, like they can become very, very vicious. They can be trained to be very, very vicious just just for a matter of survival, just for a matter of survival. And so they also had to grapple with that because here are young people. They have to survive, and sometimes they had to make some really tough decisions. And sometimes they were faced with uh, pe- people their ages. Those were their like people they knew that all of a sudden were jeopardized their lives. Yeah, when Salman and uh, Faisal, when you yeah. know, they come to a point where they're uh, going at each other. And it, yeah, it, it, it really, um, and I want to make this point about the uh, the intent of the book. And, I'm, I'm, and a lot of times, I don't read forwards. I don't care for forwards and prologues and a lot of times. I just want to get right into the book. But I'm glad that I read the introduction and I read the author's um uh, his intent, he said, his intent was not about politicizing anything, but really mm-hmm. humanizing. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and in that uh, extreme uh, situation of extreme stress, 
you know, like war, uh, these are situations that take a toll on humanity, take a toll on our, our, on our humanity. And I think from the very beginning, uh, it, was a, it was an example of how war and tragedy uh, can separate people uh, where we become invisible to one another, you know, as they're walking through and they like not even making eye contact, uh, eye contact with folks or people are in the days like because they can't believe that they're what was normal. The regular uh, regular day is now, you know, that's that's all in, in the rearview mirror and they're into a. Yeah. A situation now it's it's not normal they haven't had a chance to even to acclimate themselves to it uh but it also is a is a great testament to how tragedy uh, and even war can bring people together so i, I think he did a really uh, really good job in conveying those uh those things yeah i think he did a great job and i think because his uh protagonist mm-hmm. vacillated so much yeah. which is a very human thing mm-hmm. to do, that he he made them real. Yeah. So there was there was no white hats, you know. It wasn't that Zaid or Salman or, oh, I forgot the girl's name. Who, uh, Fatima? Uh, Fatima? Fatima. Yeah. That they were always perfect and they always did what they were supposed to do and needed to do at every single moment. I mean, they were at each other's throats sometimes. Yeah, hostage situations. That's a human thing. He kept, like, he did humanize them. He did make it human. And he did it in a way, and I don't, I, I'm not bashing the book yeah. at all. I'm not bashing anybody's book or anything. I'm just making a comparison. Mm-hmm. So, like, The Hunger Games. Did you ever read that one? Nope. Saw the movie. Okay. <laughs> the Hunger Games. You saw the movie. Okay, so you saw the movie. Yeah. So, it's like, really? Katniss doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this whole idea that this 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 person that uh, is making these these every single right decision all the time, and then in the backdrop, all the adults are the bad people, which is common in YA, I know, and I'm so glad he did not go down that road. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's like, no, heroes are not perfect, and sometimes you're a hero because you don't have a choice but to be that. If you want to live, if you want your friends to live, that's where heroism, a human side of heroism. And so it's like he did that. And he could have made it where it was just like Zaid, you know, he was this daydreamer and he turned into this, this fierce warrior that saved all his friends and everything like that. But he didn't do that. And he broke my heart. I don't want to give away Mm-hmm. I don't want to give any spoilers away, the ending away, anything. But I actually went back and forth with him on an email because I just like, oh, my God, you broke my heart. It was good. Mm-hmm. It made me think. And it made me realize, you know what, this is this 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 could be the reality. Yeah. You know, and I guess I live so much in romance and, and there's always a happily ever after and everything like that that when you get that raw kind of ending, that jarring kind of ending, it's like, whew, it took my breath away for a second. Yeah. And I was crying. Mm. He did a really good job. Mm. Well, um, I think betrayal is something else that uh, it definitely mm. comes up. Um, but, yeah, that's this is also something that comes along. When I, when I mentioned betrayal, this is something that comes along with these high-stress um, situations. I mean, particularly with something like war, where you have 
one group uh, that is looking to, you know, you have a, a power struggle that's taking place. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't know where uh, people's allegiances lie. So when you come across yeah. suffering that your you know your humanity you want to you want to help but then there's this realization uh, that you must proceed with caution and then the the betrayal uh, the the <laughs> it's almost like a uh, you kick yourself for being human <laughs> because when you allow someone to you know you, you allow your guard to go down and you say okay yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of this person I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna go together, uh, and then you find out that, you know, you you've been played. Uh, yeah. That that betrayal is something, and and I think that that kind of goes back to this. It goes back to this uh, unfortunate um, uh, victim, right? One of the the first victims uh, in war. It is you know it can be and often is humanity where you know yeah. suspicion. Uh, it rules over uh, empathy and and in and, and situations where people really need to come together and, 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 and rely on each other, they often go it alone because the consequences of trusting the wrong person, mm-hmm. it could, you know, it, it could be your life. It could be the life of, of those that you are, uh, that are under your, you know, under your protection, under your care. And I think that was also one of those, you know, very well, uh, very w- well written, uh, because that was, I, I was surprised. I was surprised. I, I think that what one of the things in our in, in our society mm-hmm. that's prevalent is this whole idea of nobility in the times of trial. Yeah. Well, like people lift themselves up and exhibit the best of themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's just really not the case that happens, you know. And I think that's one of the things, like you said, Habib did do that. Like, people, you, you could get played by people. People can play on just like your basic intuition to help someone, and they can exploit that because they're trying to survive too. And that was one of the things that I liked the most about the book is that even with the exception of the soldiers, mm-hmm. okay, the kids themselves, the layering of survival yeah. with their negative actions. Because all what was running in the back of your head is that even when the bad kids were doing bad things Mm -hmm. or even when the good kids were making the wrong decisions, it was all based on this need and this drive to survive as opposed to this inherent evilness that um, is in them. Right. You know, so when he wrote it, he even wrote the bad kids in in this and encapsulated in this need to survive. Mm -hmm. And so all of these behaviors that they exhibit are a result and a response to their entire lives being torn apart. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I think there's also, um, it, it should also be said that when the protective uh, institutions or structures of society are removed, uh, put the, the consequences I think are even greater for our young mm. people. Um, I agree. 
And, you know, so when, when you look at the fact that um, and that when the army, right, the um, the security forces are, you know, they're, they're approaching, but but then it, it becomes a matter of you can't you can't even find protection with them because nope. you're going to be looked at as a rebel. And if mm-hmm. the and if the rebels, if the rebels find you, then you're going to be looked at as a traitor. As a yeah. you know, so it's a it's a you know it's a no win situation uh, that they're being put in. So you know it's it it takes that type of honor and um, uh, dignity and and uh, courage under fire that that Jari that he showed early on. Uh, that's something. That's that's after a lifetime of mm-hmm. service. That's a lifetime of trial and error. And and he was more and he was more intent on uh, on this idea of protecting. Him. I really I really loved the way he was written. Uh, I mean, there was the, the, the spiritual element, this idea of um, of sacrificing for people that you don't even know, for mm-hmm. children you don't even know, but doing it because doing it out of out of a, out of a deep sense of duty. Yeah, you know. But that's something as an adult. Mm-hmm. He came to, you know, he had to come through that through a long, through a long life. Uh, and children, on the other hand, well, I think it takes a special, uh, special child to have that kind of, uh, that kind of commitment to, um, in the absence of any structure. I don't, I'm not sure if those, that type of child exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only, yeah. <laughs> only because of this. Um Children, I mean, ideally, are consistently protected. Right. And so the idea of of sacrifice at a certain level is not something they should know at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And we start to train them in that and, and, and help to encourage them to learn how to do that. But if you just strip everything, like you said, if you strip these institutions away, and I mean especially if you take away the parents. I mean, without the parents there to kind of, like, guide them, mm-hmm. what is it that they have? They don't even have anyone to consistently reinforce any kind of positive behavior. Right. Not that they would know what that is in right. this situation. Because is it positive to do what you got to do to save yourself and your friends? At the detriment of other other people, is that a positive thing? That becomes a big question. Mm. So I don't know if kids are generally apt to do that, and I don't think they should. And I think that's why you always have, you end up with these situations where you see how vicious children can get mm-hmm. yeah. because they're in survival when they're in survival mode. Because self sacrifice is not something that they're trained at. At that point, I mean, Jari was a soldier, like you said, he was a soldier, mm-hmm. and he saw kids. He was a soldier, he was an adult, he saw kids, he, he instinctively wanted to protect those kids. Right. That kind of outward inclination to protect someone other than yourself, is not something that young people have. No, no. You know? What and I- they have to, to develop it. Yeah. What what I was wondering about, and this is not the first book or, or even movie uh, 
a scene that I've looked at and gone, why did they do this this way? Uh, and what I'm referring to is when they were uh, they were sent off, right? Uh, when uh, Zaid's parents sent him uh, along with you know the the four of them at the very beginning, Zaid, Salman, uh, Fatima, and uh, Bilal, they and they all leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering to myself, and they say, well, the parents, you know, will just be a few hours behind you. I always wonder. Because that's not, you know, that's not a unique scene. I've, I've seen that, uh, you know, uh, plenty of times before. I always wonder, like, why didn't you all just leave uh, together? You know, what was the... there wouldn't be a story. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, it, it could have it been, it could have just been a nice paragraph. <laughs> well, I don't know. Sometimes I remember when I was a young child, this is something that stuck in my head. Uh-huh. Where I live in New York, you know, hurricanes are a common occurrence right. uh, every year. And the intensity varies. When I was a young child, <coughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. there was a terrible hurricane. And my mother sent me somewhere, my, my, my siblings and myself, she sent us somewhere. She stayed at the house. Mm. And she sent us to stay with her friend's father because he had like a, a, a fully stock basement with cots and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So she sent us and she stayed behind, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe it's just that parents feel like, let me get them out of this. And then let, let that's the first thing I need to do. I got to get my kids out of this. Then I got to deal with what's going on right here. And right now, let me just get my kids to safety first, yeah. you know, and sometimes that's the motivating factor. Let me get my kids out of the war-torn area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I'll deal with what I have to deal with, but I got to get my kids to safety first. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That That is, yeah, We as, as parents, you definitely want to protect your children. Um, but I'm thinking, like, uh, we're all leaving, right? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be the one to protect you, right? I'm not going to just send I'll you off. I'll protect you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The house I'll can take care of itself. <laughs> now you know we something. We all drive together. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now you know something that I was I was uh, surprised by. I was talking to a um, uh, uh, to a colleague, and uh, she happens to be uh, Syrian. And I, I asked her if she'd heard about the book, and I told her the title, and she says, she says she shook her head. I said, "What's the matter?" She says, "I I hate." when they refer to it as a civil war. And, mm. and she says, uh, she says uh, even, you know, even when I was in uh, Syria, you know, I find some of the activists that were using the term civil war. She's like, why are you saying civil war? If you're saying it, then, you know, media outlets, they're going to pick it up. And that's going to be the term they use. And I say, well, what, what term do you, what do you, what do you call it then? She says, call a revolution. Right. Um, but then she went on to say how things have, just over the, 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 the time that has, uh, that has elapsed, that really at this point now, the only, the only losers are the people. Um, and that is, you know, but, but she, you know, she, she said at this point, it's not a, it's not a revolution um, anymore. But she still doesn't, she just brought that point up about the, uh, uh, referring to it as a, a civil war. And I was like, wow, I, I really would not have, thought about that but i was happy to hear from someone who you know is, is, is from the is from the land hold on i got little people for a second kids 
Okay. Well, see, we are. We are. A revolution depends on who wins in the end. Yeah, (laughs) I was going to say, Layla. I was. I was going to say really quickly that uh, here at Radio Islam, we are family friendly. So the the you know, (laughs) whenever you gotta stop (laughs) and say, hey, take it easy. (laughs) You know me and my kids, and they're getting artery. They've been interrupting my lives and stuff. <laughs> so, uh, the, one of the things about civil war, the, the, the term civil war and revolution, yeah, it really depends on who wins it yeah. a lot of times. Uh, so, for instance, for example, if the South, if the Confederacy would have won, yeah. and, and, and the secession would have remained in place, mm-hmm. then it would have been, the Southern Revolution that ousted the, the the Northern government and everything. It would be the Southern Revolution. They did not win, and the government took back over, so it became a civil war, and it was really about the uh, about the citizens and, and, and different factions and groups of citizenry having that that fight. Mm-hmm. So, what it will be called historically, we have yet to see. Yeah. I don't think everything is over over there. No, yeah, neither do I. Neither do I. So it could be a revolution. It could be a civil war. But I think that one of the things that the author is trying to do is to frame it in a way so that it could it could appeal it could appeal to a broad readership. And right now, that's what is commonly referred to. Yeah. Over here is as a is it's a civil war. But but more okay. importantly, more importantly, going back to the point of trying to garner greater uh, empathy and support for the people, um, it, both of those terms, regardless of where you stand, those are both politicized. Yeah. So uh, taking that out of the way, it really is more is more about the people, and I um, and I appreciated the connection, the mention of uh, Rwanda. Right. He mentioned he's like, well, will people look back at uh, at Syria and think about will it be looked at in the same way as the uh, the genocide uh, that took place mm-hmm. in Rwanda? Will it be looked at, you know, if we start talking about um, the, the mass killings, you know, genocide, you know, Darfur, if we think about uh, Bosnia, if we, you know, we can kind of go go down a line and, and even further back in history. You know, the Armenian genocide, we can look at the mm-hmm. Holocaust. You know, there, there's a lot. um that sometimes the political labels get in the way of us Rohingya, seeing the, the Rohingya. Uh, yeah, that's going on right now. Uh, uh, Yemen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that we lose sight of the human factor in all of this. That these are human beings whose lives, mm-hmm. you know, have been upended uh, in the in the worst possible fashion. So, I think for me, that's really the the biggest one of the biggest takeaways is the yeah. is how war how it impacts and, and our humanity can suffer. And it's really, it's a struggle to keep that, keep that, not let be, not let that be the thing that's lost. And I think that was a part of what Jari, um, the advice, you know, he told them, he said to remember the city um, as it was. Don't forget, and not just the city, the physical city, but just remember, remember um, I took in that, to remember how people um, associated, how people saw each other. No, yeah, I definitely agree. I, I think that a lot of times, especially when you were removed from the situation, and I think, can you hold on one second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Radio Islam family, um, we are talking about the heart of Aleppo, a story of the Syrian civil war, 
which is by Amar Habib. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, that's where I got it. I got the Kindle version. Um, but, yeah, you can get it there. Layla, you back? Hi. Yes, I'm here. We have we just had a situation with the little one. <laughs> it's, and, it's all good. Okay. So one of, one of the things that we will have a tendency to do, yeah. especially I think here in the United States, because, you know, alhamdulillah, the, the ha- we haven't been ravaged by wars right. for so long, mm-hmm. is that we have a tendency to kind of like have this human disconnect when it comes to the death and destruction that war brings. And we will look at the people that are in those war-torn areas almost animalistic, like they're, like they're animals. Yeah. That's what we have a tendency to do. And I think that's, that's one of the important things that he brings out in this book, is that not only remember what the bad things that, that, that's happening, but also those moments, those crystal moments where people come together in these terrible situations hmm. and they will you know they they'll make mistakes but they'll also do the some good things as well so and that they're gone that these good people are gone the the baker mm-hmm. you know that used to get your bread from and the bakery not only the bakery's gone but the baker is gone too yeah you know so it's like these are people and these are things that 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 they interacted with and they interacted with each other and now all that's decimated. And so we tend to kind of look at just the building that are torn up and forget that there are lives that are torn with it. Yeah. Do, do you think that, um, that people may unconsciously place the blame on, on, on the victims uh, in, these, in these lands that are, are war-torn? Oh, absolutely. Because we place blame on people here in the United States that are victim uh, that are victimized by systemic racism and, and, and generational poverty. We love to blame them, so why won't we blame people that are in a war-torn area? That's it's their fault for being in that war-torn area. Okay, some of mm-hmm. it is complacency that comes with a level of privilege because we don't have to deal with that type of thing. We just get to look at it you know, kind of like fetishize it and be like this kind of voyeur to this death and destruction. Some of it is because we have a hard time of humanizing and empathizing with people that are outside of our cultural perspective. Mm -hmm. And some of it is just plain, we don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll blame them. That's their fault. Well, why are they a part of that government? Why are they living there? Why is a whole bunch of stuff? You'd be amazed at some of the stuff that you hear mm-hmm. from your fellow Americans when it comes to death and destruction. Of them. You hear some great stuff. I mean, there, there are Americans that are out there ready. Let's let's help. Let's help. Let's do what we need to do to help. Right. But there's also this element as well. So yeah, we'll blame them. Yeah, we'll and, blame them. You know, and I, no, well, they I held think up this government. Oh, they as, did this and they did that. Yeah, I think as Americans. Uh, this is one of the things that we do take for granted, despite our our checkered and, and painful uh, history that we have here, abuses of authority uh, and so on. Um, I think we take for granted the layers of uh, of, of governmental protection uh, that we have. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I think we take you know, we take for granted uh, having a a free press, even though that press is often 
you know, it has been complicit in um, in contributing to the uh, perpetuation of stereotypes, um, you know, given misinformation. And, you know, of course, I'm not going I'm not going to go with the, the whole line of fake press that this no, misguided president. Yeah, I'm not going that <laughs> route. Right. But but we know. But but the value, the, the ideal or the intent of having a free press and what that means yeah. for a nation, you know, having an independent judiciary, uh, you know, you know, having, you know, having the, 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 the type of government structure that we have, it affords us protections. Uh, despite, you know, the abuses that, that we see, it affords us protections that are simply just not there in other in other places. I mean, the whole deal mm-hmm. with Bashar Assad being um, uh, Al-Assad being, you know, not being elected as you yeah. know as the uh as the leader and that being you know as as the you know at the the source of the uh the conflict you know at the beginnings of it that's you know we don't have that right you know at least you get the semblance of a vote here mm-hmm. so i think i think we have that yeah. and i think this past election kind of proved it the <laughs> 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 election kind of proved that I think that there's safety guards that we have, and I, that might not that don't necessarily exist in in, in other uh, nations and societies. Yeah. But I also think this, and I know, oh my God, I'm going to get a bunch of DMs for this one. <laughs> I think that American people, mm-hmm. okay, specifically white American people. Mm-hmm allow certain actions for themselves that they don't allow for other people, okay? So they can get indignant, they can get angry, they can get rebellious, right? okay? But no one else can, not inside or outside of the nation, mm-hmm. okay? So when the broader right society is upset, they're not called... Uh, thugs when they protest and destroy property. True. They're not called criminals when they hold it, uh, point guns at the at federal uh, at soldiers and federal marshals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're, they're put in the context of fighting for their freedom. Right. And that unfortunately that mindset is restricted to them that 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 ability to do that is restricted to them so even inside the society it, you're very hard pressed if you're not a white person mm-hmm. to really fight for your rights and not be seen as others as lesser than human or lesser than having the right to do that so outside of it definitely not i'm going to agree with you 100 percent on that um uh i think that this is where our media, uh, those who shape public opinion, come into uh, they, they come into the conversation because this is something that's you know that perception is determined by how, how it's covered. Uh, and I can't remember who it was, but I know it wasn't that long ago, maybe a couple of years ago, that exact same situation that you're talking about, uh, where I think a federal building or federal land was being occupied by some yeah. resistors or whatever. And these are all white men. And I think one of them was killed. Um, 
But the way it was framed, it was certainly not framed uh, in a way, uh, in, in the same way, had those been uh, African-American, had they been Mexican, you know, had they been Muslims, had they been uh, uh, Asian, had they been anything other than uh, what they were. Uh, and these were all members of, I think they were members of a militia or something like that, uh, memory serves correct. Yeah, so, they came onto the land mm -hmm. because a, a farmer whose family had owned part yes, of the land, that's right. didn't own yep. it anymore, and they were encroaching on federal land. Right. And when the federal government was like, get off our land, mm -hmm. then militia uh, uh, types came in and pointed guns at soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> Actually pointed their guns. And nothing happened to them in that instance. Yeah. Nothing happened. Not saying that the federal government will not mow down certain white people. I mean, Ruby Ridge, sorry. They murdered that family, mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. point blank. But Waco. it's like there's no distinction when you're not white. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're a troublemaker. You're, you're, you're being subversive. You're, and you're a thug if you're fighting for your rights. Now I know that there are some folks that they, they hear this type of speech and that um, they feel like, ah, that's not true, or maybe even a, a slight offense to it. But I, I urge you to, to, to think on this and, and look at how, how, um, how these types of stories are covered. And it's, it is not, it's not just to the point of pointing out the, the problem, but to say that if you're going to point out the problem, that there has to be a solution. And a part of that solution is, you know, if we're going to have as this story that we're talking about, the aim of it is to humanize um, the event, humanize, to show the human factor, the human involvement and impact, that we should also be thinking about that here in the United States, right? In this country that has uh, so much, has protections, but we also know that the abuses are most, uh, they are present in how we are taught to see one another. Mm -hmm. and, and because of that, that's something that we have to, you know, as, as a country who, uh, if we want to reach for our higher ideals and go, go beyond uh, the shortcomings, then we have to, we got to look at fixing some of these things. Right? Well, I also so, think that's the reason why the voices of authors are so important. Yeah. Because they extend it, that humanity through their fiction, uh, a lot of them. And so we have a history of that occurring. In the United States. Um, yeah. So I think that works like this. And I think that would be really, really even more important and more profound is for someone to write from that cultural perspective. Mm -hmm. Because Amar is not uh, from there. Mm -hmm. So he's really sharing people's story. He, he, he fictionalized to share this humanity with people. Now it, 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 it's important for people from that actual cultural perspective to share it as well. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why authorship is so extremely important and we need to support our authors. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, this uh, this story, I mean, although it is it does not have the same destruction of property, but the violence uh, and the fear, the threat of movement um, uh, that was uh, a, a big part of this story, it brings me back to another one um, which was uh, the warmth, the warmth of other suns. Um, oh, I never read that one. Oh my God! You, you, yeah, you need to get that. I one. have to put it on my TBR. Yeah, 
and 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 that basically um okay i'm looking at the clock uh that basically it it chronicles a few different i think it was like five or six different um people's recollections of how their families uh the, the whole great great migration you know coming from the south to the north uh and how difficult that was for people and and it just it, i don't think it really even went into the whole uh, like the the whole governmental apparatus how it was used to uh used to keep people to keep african americans from being able to leave from the south you know how they would they would change train uh schedules or they wouldn't they wouldn't post them um they were literally going out and physically you know um accosting people that were you know that were trying to leave um and and i think i bring this up because we we hear about this mass migration uh, of folks but we don't really understand the violence that was that that was surrounding it not you know just getting out you know being able to get out uh and and the violence you know trying to keep people there you know like how are you going to try to keep somebody uh in a spot you don't want them there but you but you don't want them to leave oh they always wanted them there they always wanted them there that that's 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 one of the misconceptions about the segregated South is that they didn't want black people. No, no, I'm sorry. Let me let me back up on it. That they oh. didn't they don't want them. They didn't want uh, to respect them. But they um, okay. You know, we got to shut it down. I'm getting I'm getting the uh, the, the wrap it up box. We got one minute. Uh, Layla okay. Abdullah Pulos, we thank you so much as always. Looking forward to uh, next time. Thank you. <laughs> Um, we want to thank our engineers over at WCEV. We thank our sponsors, the Cop Foundation U.S. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producers are Abdul Malik Mujahid. And we remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. With that, good people, we leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.